Our Best of Texas first round is in the books. The high school season is officially over, and Joe talks with former Whittier College head coach Justin Pudwill. Here we go. It's the TX Water Polo Podcast. James Smith in Austin, Joe Linehan in North Texas. What have you been up to, Joe? I just, you know, just kind of making it through this whole, like, the whole quarantine. I, I think we have a little bit of a a light at the, at the end of the tunnel here going. So I know, but it's bizarre. Just completely bizarre. Like, um, I realize I haven't gone through my front gate in, like, four days or something like that. I took the dogs out for a walk. And uh, as we've discussed, I think I might be made for this kind of thing because I actually have been so productive. And maybe you have, too. But uh, I'm getting a tiny bit antsy, but still grateful that everything is good and um oh it's just it's just the opportunity to kind of get up and get caught up on everything that you wish you had time to do before it really is and to learn too and we'll talk about that in a moment um there's so many opportunities for coaches that have been been very useful so um the first news is the worst news it's a uil made an announcement last week that all spring sports had been suspended and uh, Tiska followed suit. No surprise at all. Um, Chairman Scott Slay confirmed it uh, in an email to regional representatives. Oh, gosh. Well, within a few hours of that UIL, UIL decision. And, you know, it's super sad, but none of it is a surprise. No, no. I mean, it's I would have loved to have a, a kind of a high school season, especially especially for those seniors that might that aren't getting proms that crushing not get graduations. Yeah. It'd be great. It would have been great to be able to have something in June, but uh, you know, it's, we want the, we, I think it's important for the overall kind of the health and safety to, you know, to kind of just, yeah, just follow the UIL guidelines. Yeah, totally. I mean, even, well, it's complete speculation, but even if they didn't follow UIL, which is impossible, it'd be difficult to find a facility and, oh man, it's just a mess. What It's a, just feel terrible for the seniors. I agree with you. And in fact, um, Slay, uh, Scott mentioned a couple of things in his letter. First of all, to support the athletes who's, who are going to need it because uh, it's, I find myself actually, I'm I'm sort of at a distance, right? So I'm not knee deep in the whole the the process of being part of a high school team. But if you think back to what your experience was, my experience was in high school. If you just discovered halfway through your senior season, it's like, no, nope, it's over. It's terrible, like it's just crushing blow. So support for their athletes first of all, and then and then uh, try to recruit coaches and officials for next year. I mean, let's uh, take advantage of the fact that things are growing. Um, and then finally there's, he, he was suggesting to take advantage of all these webinars and online learning that you and I have talked about before. It's on TX water polo and total water polo and all that. Um, and there is a ton of that. So anyway, a very sad end to the season. Yeah. I mean, but you know, I mean, at least they got to play a little bit of a high school season. Yeah. You know, there are other sports out there that didn't get to do anything. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, yeah, it's sad, but again, you know, even if we were able to come back in June, I don't know how many teams would have been participating at this that's, point. That's I, a good know. point. Yeah, um, I didn't think about that. Because it's it's a little difficult. Again, this is the same thing, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, whenever clubs get back up and running, you know, if we did have a if we did have a high school season, but say the Austin schools, they say, no, you can't compete. Well, right. Yeah. Um, is that really truly a state championship if not everybody that is competitive can compete so i know yeah it's uh, it was going to be very complicated i suppose um the season ends with our final coaches poll which is now ancient history it's it was a uh, march 10th 
um, the boys of St. Mark's were were unanimous uh, the unanimous choice for number one. And uh, on the girls' side, it was a much closer race, but Foster came out on top. That's our the TXWaterPolo.com uh, poll that we once upon a time used to put out there. But that's how the season ends, uh, as best as we can figure it out, really. Yeah, I mean it's I mean, and it would have been fun to see them kind of played out in the pool because I think there's a ton of uh, really strong girls teams and as well. I mean, I think, you know, uh, St. Mark's had played uh, uh, tremendously, but I think there's a, there's probably two or three, at least, at least two or three other strong teams out there that kind of, kind of could have given them a run for their money at stake. So yeah, that final the potential final four, I mean, assuming everything went as sort of planned was going to be pretty special. I think, I think you're right about that. Yeah. On both sides. On, on both sides, yeah, exactly. Yeah, both genders, so. Exactly. And, and St. Mark's, I think, was rightfully considered to be the top team. I think, you know, they were undefeated. They beat everybody. But it was closer than people think, you know, with like a team like Guy or somebody like that. That's that. Uh, it would have been, oh, gosh, it would have been really fun to see all that. Oh, well. Um, so with that, and you, you put it in terms of dominoes, which I think is a good one, The we now know that the Tisca season is over. So the high school season is finished. We know that JOs are now delayed until essentially the winter, the late fall and winter. And now what's really what's left? Like there's a, there's only one more issue, which is really figuring out when people can hop back in the water. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, the last big kind of uh, domino to kind of fall. It's going to be when can clubs uh, start practicing again and or uh, and or hosting tournaments? And then are there going to be any kind of restrictions on on them kind of kind of once they get back into the pool so right you know and everybody's going to be a, a little bit different and i'm not rushing to get back into the water by any stretch of the imagination if that's going to be kind of june one awesome if it's going to be august one and that's what everybody deems safe that's fine too but you know i think everybody would love to get back into the pool sooner rather than later and you know uh, last week i did talk to a bunch of clubs that are kind of that were slated to host events this summer uh, and also this uh, yeah like this upcoming fall so uh, like the Southwest Zone Events Committee is also trying to get um, kind of put together like a prospective schedule. Right. You know like here's the schedule if it starts in June. Here's yeah, the yeah, schedule yeah. if it starts in August. Yeah, so, moving target, right? I mean it's impossible yeah. to do otherwise. But at least I mean like the thought process is if we can get everybody a schedule out then yeah and then people there's a little bit of hope and right. people can start planning and kind of moving forward i mean we're not i mean it's, it's about as much as we can do right now so yeah much better than just throwing up your hands and saying completely i just have no idea so we're not even going to try so yeah that's that's you know like you said a glimmer of hope um i think you and i are in sort of unique situations i'm not sure but it's the moment that my swim team that i'm affiliated with, with gets back in our pool then so will we water polo wise and I have this suspicion that Williamson County and the town of Round Rock, the city of Round Rock, are going to make that decision sooner than others. I don't have any evidence to back it up. It's just that's the way that the city has sort of been in the past. And so I'm almost wary of the fact that they're going to say, yeah, come on back in, um, because they're going to set some pretty stringent rules on how that actually takes place. And so I'm going to have to adapt. But uh, I don't, I'm not sure others are in quite so quite the similar situation. I think probably most schools, no, I'm sorry, uh, most clubs probably use school district pools. Yeah. So school districts are going to have different guidelines and different calendars and different timelines than, let's say, the city pools. 
So you're in a unique situation because I don't know a whole lot of clubs out there that actually use the city pools kind of for their dominant practice location. So, um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be strange. There might be some there might be a kind of a section of the state that gets back in in June there, and then right. there's another section that that doesn't get into August. So, right. like, you know, kind of some of the discussions have been. So uh, uh, let's just take the tags tournament which is the Texas age group state water polo champs, which is the state championship for eighth grade and sixth grade and under there is, it is a zone run event. Uh, we aren't under any school district type or school kind of, um, kind of overall kind of cocky. Yeah, just kind of governance. So we can put that event, you know, whenever we want, mm-hmm. but the whole thing is say North Texas, because, uh, because it was supposed to be hosted in North Texas this year, say North Texas gets opened up here in June. But the Houston area doesn't. All right. So we really can't have tags yet, can we? No. Exactly. For, oh, boy. But yeah, but then if it gets started in August, well, we should probably shouldn't have tags, you know, kind of two or three weeks after everybody gets back in the water. Right. You know, and this is just one moving target of an event. So, like, you know, there's there's some space on the calendar in late October that that we might put tags, but we're also, there's also, you know, kind of looking at the Southwest zone quals, you know, well, you know, obviously the 14, 12s and 10s, the National Junior Olympics is going to be in Thanksgiving. So we need to kind of count back and we can't really have it any later than late September, early October to give everybody plenty of time to plan if they qualify. Right. So, and then it's probably going to be a little bit less team. So it's probably going to be good to put it with another event just so the event doesn't lose money, et cetera. Right. Too. So yeah, there's, yeah. Lots of, there's lots of stuff to think about. And, and something else that came up is AT, uh, the A-10 are boys and girls. Mm-hmm. We just don't know about that as far as the NCAA rules are concerned. Are their college coaches going to want them to play? And also, once those kids go off to go to school, are they going to be, they're not going to be able to come back and play for a qualifier. Right. Yep. So, you know, do you do that in August before they leave? Or if you don't get back into the pool until August 1, is that even going to be doable? So, I mean, there's lots of questions out there, but we're going to try to get the, so we're going to try to get a, a calendar out to everybody and, you know, understanding that, you know, date and location is subject to change. Right. Um, I'm fascinated, and, and maybe I'm uh, oblivious, but I, I still haven't heard from USA Water Polo about the um, date date of, you know, the, what date the qualifier is. Meaning, I'm not articulating this very well. It's like the age as of distinction. You know, it's a, typically and August that, one. That right? is, and that is August one, 2020. It's and still it's, that's fixed. That is fixed. Yeah, that's what I thought, but I just hadn't really seen it in writing anywhere, and that is not because nobody sent it to me. It's just I wasn't paying attention. So that's good. I'll share that with my team today. That's what I figured. That's good because we've got kids who just slide under that, you know, just slide. They were they were very disappointed. Um, we spoke about Scott Slay briefly, and um, it's a good segue to uh, our, the coaches to coaches feature that we are are, are doing on TX Water Polo. Um, it's a series of Zoom. Um, conferences, really learning opportunities. Um, last week, Scott did the fundament, fundamentals of the counterattack and uh, pretty good attendance, right, Joe? Yeah, so we started, so Scott was our second one the week before we had Chris Cullen in, in Alley Hill. We had about 25 coaches there. Scott had about 35 coaches last week, and we right. hope to have more this week. Good, good. Um, yeah, and who's, uh, well, yeah, that's Thursday. Yeah, who's uh, who's featured then? 
It's going to be Brandon Dion from Marcus High School, and he's also the club admin for for uh, Thunder. And he's specifically going to talk about kind of just tell a story about how he started his uh, kind of high school team uh, about four years ago and how it was only 35 kids on the swim team. And he started the like the water pole team and how he helped use water pole to grow his swim team. And now they have 85 total kids on the swim team. And that's and, and it's only been four years. And he's had a very successful kind of water pole team over the last couple of years. So. Right. And you're doing a little goalie work too. I'll probably add a little goalie stuff at the end because a couple of people have asked. So yeah, good times. So that's that's totally necessary. I'm I'm gonna check in on that myself if I can. Um, and then the next fall, the the following week is uh, Mark Lawrence from Austin College. So that's yeah. So cool. Mark's gonna come on board on on Thursday, April 30th, and he's going to talk about um, uh, kind of movement and rhythm and balance, which is which is which is which is the fundamental base of all, you know, playing water polo. So, yeah, very cool. Um, at the same time, um, I'm still pretty fascinated that the Jack Coker was the head coach at Pepperdine, um, for a while. He, he is now the head coach at a, uh, very successful young program called Oaks Christian up in Thousand Oaks, California. And he was on the USA men's staff for a while. And he has been doing what they call coffee for uh, coffee with Coker, and going over game film and analysis. And, and he, that's what he used to do for USA Water Polo is was that he was the film analyst for day on before the 2016 Olympics. So I've been absolutely fascinated by this. Like, so the, It's not terribly complicated, but I've just never really sat with somebody who's going through game film. And uh, so very, very interesting stuff. Yeah, it's mainly for coaches. Um, and I think you have to be invited now because there was Correct. a couple of doom bombs. But, yeah, no, um, no, no kids. And uh, was it um? But uh, yeah, it's great. And then I mean, there's other things out there too. I think uh, Felix Mercado did a very good job with um, his recruiting um, kind of webinar last week. There was a webinar this past Saturday with all the Ivy League coaches. Brian Flax right. has been doing a good job yep. with kind of with yeah with getting some content out there. And I do believe a lot of coaches are doing their own thing with their own clubs, which is great. Yeah, there's a Tim Daniel from the Midwest is doing one today, I think that's right. Um, and so anyway, all of this stuff is on Total Water Polo. There's my pitch for the other site because uh, anything that we get from these coaches, we push out there, whether it's the event we put on the calendar or the video that they produce afterwards. We're trying really hard to push all that stuff out there, so it's available. And all Texas specific stuff is put on the TX Water Polo site. Yeah, we make that distinction. Darn it, that's that's our that's our point of pride. Um, all right, Joe, let's come back with results from the first round of the Best of Texas tournament. Fascinating stuff. Right about now, you might be expecting some song and dance about a product you don't need. Well, shush, we don't advertise here, and we want to keep it that way. So we sure would appreciate your help. Show your support by going to TXWaterPolo.com forward slash donate so we can keep covering the sport we love in the great state of Texas. Hi, this is Natalie Benson, and you are listening to a podcast about water polo in Texas. It's James and Joe back with you. Best of Texas. So, Joe, when we put this poll out there which in which uh, people are voting on teams from different eras playing against one another, hypothetical matchups, how many responses did you think we were going to get? I was hoping to get about two, 300. I was thinking if we get over 100, I'll be pretty I, – I will be happy enough. 
So marketing research, if your your number of respondents is 30, then you can kind of toy around with those results. 100 is what, what's considered to be sort of more viable. Uh, 1,140 votes. So That's awesome. I'm That's stunned. Great. That's great. That's awesome. I mean, there's a lot of people out there worth a lot of free time, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't even me like voting. I I didn't vote at all, um, and uh, we did not restrict it so people could do multiple votes. And obviously, people were highly selective about who they, who they're going to choose. Yeah. But there's this is for fun. In fact, oh, let me read this quote. It's so funny. One of the comments that we got from somebody who wrote in. So, but as you look at this, for sure, there's a lot of recency bias for sure. Recency bias, huge. It's huge. I mean, again, nothing. Joe and I have been talking about this as well. There's just no perfect way to do this. So anybody who's looking for, um, you know, sort of statistical rigor, you're really not going to find it. It's 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 made for fun. Hopefully you get to recognize some of these great teams. Um, here's one. Uh, <laughs> here's a but Jeff Kerrigan. Here's the comment. Like, did Sterling win state in '91, or was that the year that Humble demolished them? I get that year and the adjacent year mixed up. Has anyone besides Jennifer McFerrin from Humble been a state and NCAA championship? And then he ends with, "Your game is cute." <laughs> so that's perfect. That's the feedback that we're looking for. I want I want that con that condescending. Your game is cute thing. It's very cool. Yeah. So we're talking about what happened in Texas. Not there's a lot of great athletes that graduated from uh, like a team in Texas and went off to go be an NCAA uh, like kind of yeah kind of athlete and we're not counting that Joe, because yeah yeah the answer to that guy's question is is uh, uh, Zane Bilal. He won a state championship in 2007, and yeah. he came back with four NCAA championship. Runs. Right. Yeah. The, so. Joe, that's our next thing. Is is teams of the decade, or or no te teams of Texas history? It's the putting together your top seven. Okay. Then we're gonna do. Let's just go over this real quick first. <laughs> you don't want to move on yet. You, okay. I'll, I, I'm, I'll keep my excitement to myself. All right. So here we go. Results actually. So let's go over the girls first from the first round. I want you to comment on these teams. You you actually did last time, but we can do it briefly. But round one, Foster of 2019 beats Clear Creek by con pretty convincingly 62 to 38%. There's no surprise there. There's no surprise there. Just that's, again, you know, I think the 2019 group can probably kind of they're they're much better on getting on their phones and computers and yeah and voting so yeah, that's it um and who knows about this next one i know sterling had a had a big fan base on twitter that was admonishing one another make sure you vote make sure you vote and apparently it worked pretty decently because their 07 girls from baytown sterling beat side creek from 1999 just barely and i think i've said it I think I've said this before. That 2007 girls team is probably one of the best teams in in the, in the history of Texas water polo. So I'm happy to see them go on. That's nothing against the 99 Side Creek girls. Just. Well, are you surprised it's that close? It was 51.7% versus 48.3. So not a, a very close vote. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that it was uh, it, it was that close. Yes. All right. Um, they, the Baytown Sterling fans came back in the next one. They uh, their 90, 1992 team beat 2006 Humble. 56, 57% to 43%. Um, and then South Lake Carroll took out Marshall. Uh, six, I know there was a, I actually posted stuff in the West region to make sure that San Antonio fans went out there and voted. And I know some coaches from that area who, who went out there, but it wasn't enough. South Lake Carroll from 2016 beats Marshall 64% to 36%. Um, 
Geyer of 2018. No shock there. But man, we put this vote out there, and one of the first tweets is, "Hey, vote for Geyer." So anyway, they they clearly did so. 54.7 percent over. Well, I thought I thought that was a pretty good showing by the 90. Like considering that like the rest of the 70s and uh, and 80s teams were in the 30s, I thought that was a pretty good showing of the 45.3 percent. So. I agree. Yeah, that's really good. And like you said, the bias is in favor of the more recent one by far. And then maybe the closest vote of the entire tournament so far. In fact, I think that's right. Um, 2014 Baytown Sterling Girls versus 1997 St. Agnes, both of whom had, again, big fan bases on Twitter telling everybody to vote. The result was Baytown Sterling 50.2 versus 49.8. I feel like we we should send this to like the Florida Supreme Court, you know, in order to count the chads. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think Mac kind of kind of said on his on his podcast that he thought the St. Andrews girls in '97 were one of the strongest teams ever, um, and I think the 2014 team had uh, had uh, kind of Callie Kelly Woodruff, and that was, and she's probably probably one of the best players of all time to come out of Texas. So. Yeah, that was that one went back and forth. That was really fun to watch. Um, Next was a 04 Clear Lake with a close win over Baytown Sterling from 01. So St- Sterling didn't get every single victory. It was 53 point, 53.5 to 46.5%. Um, and then the final one was Side Creek They this from 2016. I guess this team from Clark in 1984 might not have as many fans. It was a 71 to 29%. That's probably the right outcome, but a, maybe a little more disparate than we wanted. Yeah. And there's going to be some good matchups here in the next – in the next round for girls, I think starting off, you got Foster versus the 2019 Foster versus 2007 Baytown Sterling, both coached by Scott Slay. <laughs> well, yeah, that'll be interesting. His favorite of his kids. So. Yeah. And uh, 92 Baytown Sterling versus 2016 South Lake Carroll. Um, it's going to be like the new guard versus the old guard a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, what do you mean? So uh, that's sort of just like the, a... just It's the 90s versus the 2010s. Yeah, yeah. Um, and late to the 2010s, but I remember that team from Carroll. That was a quite good team. And that's the only, and that's the only pre 2000 team still kind of around. So, oh, there you go. So Sterling fans and people and fans of the nineties get out there and vote. Um, next is Baytown Sterling from 2014 against Geyer of 2018. Yeah. I think, uh, again, uh, kind of the Cali Woodruff was a big stud on that 2014 team. I think, um, uh, uh, kind of Catherine Cullen kind of led that Geyer group, but they were very deep and strong and they have a ton of people that have, have played in, yeah, have played, have played or are going to play at the, at the collegiate level. So, right. And then finally Cypress Creek of 2016, who had that big victory versus Oh four clear Lake. Yeah. 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 It's definitely going to be, that's just a battle of kind of two strong kind of the Houston team. So it's going to be fun. All right, boys, let's go move on. So, um, no surprise, I would say, first round is a flower mound of 65.5%, 65.2% over Lamarck. Uh, that 1974 team from Lamarck, 348 No surprise. Uh, yeah, no surprise. Um, and then the next game, again, a pretty close one. Clear Lake from 96 over the 91 Baytown Sterling team, 50, 54% to 45, well, 46% really. I think there's a big backing of that, of that mid-90s, kind of the clear – uh, late boys they were a dominant team there and that was and that team was selected i think as kind of a like a representative of that group so they're like 
I believe that they're going to go far just because they're going to have a lot of people behind them. So it's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who haven't done so already, we just published a story from a, a guy named Jeremy Mouse who used to write for me with uh, Total Water Polo. We were partners at one point. And uh, and so he 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 asked, you know, why wasn't this team included? So his 99 Side Creek team was uh, was quite good. Um, I don't have the record in front of me, but uh, a really interesting story, because if you listen to my interview with Peter Hudnut some time ago, he talked about coming to Texas and to Houston and playing the teams. Well, this was apparently the team. Right. So Jeremy goes over this uh, details of that season, including their game against uh, Harvard Westlake. So really interesting stuff. And I think there's a lot of teams out there that may not have been, that may not have been included in the top 16 boys or girls. They were great teams. This is not discounting any of those achievements or any of those players. It's just that we had to kind of whittle it down to the top 16, and you know, and we just kind of move on. So. Totally, I love it. And people are trying to make their case. That's what I'm into. I really love it. So, next Baytown Sterling from 01 over 92 humble. That's about 66 to 34 yeah. percent. Um, yeah. I mean, no. I mean, I think. Uh, I think that Baytown Sterling boys team, I think in in um, in our interview today with Justin Puddlewick, he's going to go over the strengths of that team. I think that was probably probably one of the better teams out there. So Okay, great. Uh, 09 Clear Lake, 66% over the 85 team from Clark, that dominant, uh, basically that sort of decade of dominant team from Clark, uh, they got 34%. Yeah, I mean, again, I think that's that's a lot of the, like, you know, the 80s versus the 2000s. So. Yeah. Um, for those who think that St. Mark's is going to get every vote, that's not correct. Straight Jesuit from 2012 beats that 1975 team from St. Mark's, the one that uh, won their first championship, and it wasn't terribly close. It was uh, about 65% to 35%. Um, yeah, give or takes. Uh, again, I remember that team from Strake. That was one of my first visits to Texas. And I and I, and, and I don't know a whole lot of people that remember the 1975 St. Mark's team. So. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, 07 Baytown Sterling over 87 Marshall, um, 65 and a half, uh, 66% to 34%. And I think I've said it before. I think that 2007 Baytown Sterling team with Zane, Matt, and uh, Stevie was one of the strongest teams ever. So. And uh, 06 Cypress Creek over 86 Baytown Sterling, 53 to 47. Eric Schrar and his group of, of the Cypress Creek teams from the mid-2000s was a very strong group. Again, again, I think that's the whole like you know it's the recency bias a little bit. The seventies and eighties and nineties teams didn't fare so well. So. No, not in this one. But we should well anyway. We'll talk about that another time. The final matchup in the first round, St. Mark's of 2015, um, did a did a bit of a job on the team from Holmes in 1981. It was a 65 to 34, well, 65 to 35 percent. So St. Mark's uh, goes through that uh, that 2015 team. Yeah, I think that 2015 is that is probably one of their most talented teams and they were a strong, strong team. Again, that kind of represents they've won five out of the last six championships. So, and they had what they had Timothy Simmons that went to go play at Cal. They had Nathan Andersick that, that, uh, that uh, went to go play at Harvard and they've been kind of big contributors. So I think that was one of the most talented teams and best teams in the history of Texas too. So. Yeah, totally. So, for now, here's the second round. So let's just start. 2018 Flower Mound versus 1996 Clear Lake. You want to go through the rest? I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be a good matchup. So again, it's going to be kind of like the recent team versus the lone team from before 2000. So Yeah. Um, go ahead. And then Baytown, Sterling, and, and Clear Lake. Those are kind of, that's going to be a, a, an interesting kind of uh, matchup. That's kind of, kind of two teams 
from the 2000s. And the, and the same thing with the 2012 Strake versus the 2007 Baytown Sterling. That And yeah, and that'll be a close matchup. I think the Baytown Sterling team, again, I just I just kind of mentioned it, is kind of one of the strongest teams that I've ever seen. Right. Um, and then the St. Mark's versus the Side Creek, that'll be, okay, that, that'll be the St. Mark's kind of the juggernaut versus, like, the Houston teams from the mid 2000s. So right. Very interesting. So um, we'll post those up later today. Um, we'll put uh, our new polling out there by tomorrow. I mean, we're, I'm so pleased with how much we got in response that uh, I don't feel a terrible amount of pressure to, to put that out there right away. But those are the matchups that you will see and we'll be asking you to vote once again. Go ahead and keep forwarding it to your friends via your phone and just flip through there. And once again, it's possible that we will ask everybody to answer every question because there was a, a, a despite the fact that I'm delighted that over 1,100 people responded, um, there are a lot of people who just voted for one team, and that's fine. It was fun, but uh, maybe we want to get a little more rigorous about this. All right, another short break, and then back with excerpts from Joe's conversation with former Whittier College head coach Justin Pudwell. Hey, guys, it's Ben McElmore with Houston Rockets. Just want to encourage you guys to continue to help one another, stay safe, continue to wash your hands daily, uh, continue to practice social distancing as we go through this tough time, uh, but we all will get through it together. Sending love to all our NBA fans. Hope to you know get back out there on the court. Uh, continue to stay quarantined, clean, and go Rockets. Hey, this is Mark Lawrence from Austin College, head coach of the men's and women's Warflow programs and home of our kangaroos. When I'm interested in uh, what's going on with Texas Warflow, I always listen to TX Warflow podcast. All right, welcome. Today we have Justin Pudwell, who is currently the head um, high school referee in Houston. He's all in, uh, and Justin was also the head coach at uh, Whittier College in Southern California from 2007 to 2008 for both the men and uh, women. Welcome, Justin. How are you doing? Good, Joe. How are you? Good. So you moved back to Texas in the summer of 2018, but a lot of people, I don't think they know that you actually grew up in Texas and played high school water polo in Texas. I moved from Huntington Beach, California, the middle of my junior year of high school. Okay. So, uh, you know, we, I did a year and a half at Ross S. Sterling, um, in Baytown. Yeah. In Baytown. And then from there went to college, but yeah, I mean, I grew up in California. My dad was kind of in, in the oil, um, realm of business. And so, uh, he got transferred the middle of my junior year. So, um, yeah, it was it was definitely unique coming from Huntington Beach to Baytown, Texas. That is a that is a big kind of difference there. Yeah. So so as so as far as water polo was concerned, I kind of had you played out in in uh, HB uh, before yeah. coming. Yeah, I grew up um, like I said in in Huntington Beach. Uh, I played at Ocean View High School in Huntington, and then. Um, I was predominantly a baseball player for my whole life. And then my freshman year of high school uh, started doing water polo to get out of PE. And the coach was a liar. He said it was basically hanging out in trunks and getting a tan. And I already surfed in the morning. So I was like, well, this will be perfect. Like, I'm, <laughs> as long as I don't have to be in this, you know, kind of 
a whacked out PE class, um, you know, I was like, I was like, I'm in, you know, I didn't have baseball till the spring. So I um, started doing it and I was horrible at first and it, and it was, I didn't really like being horrible. So kind of uh, accelerated uh, kind of my, my yeah. thirst for the game, whatever, but I could throw the ball extremely hard. I well, there you go. I mean, you're, yeah, like your competitive kind of like the instincts kind of kicked in a little bit. Yeah. And I guarantee you it wasn't just hanging out in the swim trunks on the pool deck at Ross Sterling. No, no, not at all. Yeah. So that was, I mean, the, the unique thing I was, I was quite good in, in, um, California, um, like an average player, I guess what in that realm it was you know no by no means a superstar or anything but uh you know the the one thing about coming moving to baytown with um you know coach mac was uh he he tells his stories like you know one of the, his like most favorite days was the the day he was in the office and they called him from uh the the counselor's office and said hey we have this uh this kid who just moved to Baytown and Sterling's his school. Uh, he's from California and he plays water polo. <laughs> I think Coach <laughs> Max says, "Is he big?" And, he, and they said, "Yeah, you know, he's pretty tall." And so, like within like forty-five seconds, he's running down the hallways, like you know, <laughs> panting, having a you know, almost having a heart attack. So, but um, he he definitely took it way more serious than the two junior college um, guys that coached us at at Ocean View. Um, so that was, that was quite refreshing, um, to get a little bit more structure. Uh, but then just, it was, uh, definitely a much different sport and, uh, than what I was used to in California. So. But do you have fun playing here? I did. I mean, um, oh man. Yeah, it was, it was unique because, you know, there were, there were some teams that were, that were good and, and a lot of solid players. And there were some teams that were, were not very good. And so I didn't really get a play that long. Um, and that kind of was a bummer just because if I scored six or seven goals in three minutes, that was, that was my time. So, um, you know, once they figured out, I think, where, who I was, I, I really never went one-on-one -on -one with a lot of guys after about game 10. I usually yeah. had two or three guys on me, so it, it was quite interesting at times. But uh, I mean, it was it was good. I met a, a lot of super awesome people, lifelong friends, which was which was cool. And then you went and played water polo in college, kind of afterwards, right? Yeah, one of the premier uh, premier <laughs> institutions for for water polo. <laughs> and uh, this is how premier it was when I attended. My first two years, it was named one thing, and the last two years, it was something else so the uh my first two years it was salem techio university which was uh water polo school in west virginia again i make some really unique choices at times okay we all yeah yeah we all make our unique choices out there <laughs> yeah and, and and for those that don't know it's yeah uh it's it's now called salem international it's still uh, and it's in and it's in west virginia it's not a one-stop light town it's a one-stop sign town that's how big it was. Yeah, it was. Um, I believe the best story I have about that is the my freshman year. I was going to drive there. And my dad was tuning up my truck like the day I was going to leave or before I was going to leave. 
and um, he broke the carburetor off. And so my mom had to like call off work and like we had training camp in like two days and she was like, okay, I got to drive you up there. And my, my parents are old school. So I did everything on my own for college applications, phone calls, recruiting, everything. They didn't do one portion of it. Um, and so my mom, we're driving up to Salem uh, and <laughs> we get off on whatever it is. I think it's called Main Street off like 20 and, <laughs> and my mom's just laughing. She's like, are you serious? I had to tell her, shut up. You're not paying a dime for this. So leave me alone. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, but it was, I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I played, you know, water polo, swimming and baseball there. So I was really busy. Um, and then after you came back to Texas, uh, do you play a little semi-pro baseball? Yeah, a, a little, a couple months um, in and around the College Station area. Um, you know, I did the same thing with, with water polo right after I was done. I played in Canada for a couple months. I knew a guy there who was on their, like, national junior team. So I went and was able to stay with him and train with – their junior national team and their club team in Ontario, which was a lot of fun. And then, um, yeah, it was, was at college station and, uh, it was a deterrence of becoming an adult basically made no money, but, uh, I did get to keep playing sports, which was fun at a competitive level. And I'm sure you got a free meal here or there, right? So. Oh, free housing, free food. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was a, uh, 21 year olds, uh, dream. dream. Yeah. 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 Like, like exactly. And then, um, I moved down to, uh, to Texas. I live, I grew, I grew up in Texas and then I moved back to Texas in January of 2003. And you were there kind of helping Scott with some uh, club. Yeah. Yeah. Scott Slay with some club water pool. And then yeah. you moved out to a, a kind of California, but before you moved out, I believe you coached some pretty good players there, yeah. like kind of back in Baytown, kind of whenever they were what, a bunch of 10 and unders. Yeah. The, um, let's see. Scott had been home for a year after he was at Slippery Rock and we kind of met each other. Um, and plus we kind of knew each other while I was at Sterling. So we kind of developed a good friendship um, just being in the area. And then um, against, uh, of course, playing against each other, um, but Scott had been back for a year after he was done at Slippery Rock. And then uh, I was back one year following. And so he started uh, Dirty Bay Water Polo, which was, um, you know, a lot of the high school kids and then some of the kids, a lot of siblings from the summer swim team. Um, I, I think it was like Baytown Barracudas. I, I don't even remember. Um, um, yeah. I think it's had a couple different names kind of, kind of over the years. So Yeah, so um, the, the, the core group of kids we had, which, you know, went on to be extremely good players, was like the uh, Zane Bilal, Stevie Ray, uh, Matt Chapa, um, Amy Olson – Trying to think what else. And Katie and Darla. Katie Vasquez, Darla. Yeah, there was a good group. Um, my sister was that age. Uh, she might have been a year uh, younger than them. But, uh, yeah, those were, those were kids who um, it kind of shows. I, I think there's some of the, you know, or they have some extremely good success stories as uh, 
having water polo kind of take you um, through college and education. Um, but that group of kids, you know, definitely saw uh, a lot of different facets of water polo and it got them to a lot of different places. Um, yeah, and they were and, all extremely good. And those are the kids that played for Sterling back in the late 2000s and such and kind of dominated kind of the high school water polo world then. Yeah. Um, um, but you left at this, I, I guess you started what at Occidental? Yeah, I was the assistant men's and women's coach for water polo at Occidental. I want to say 03, 05, or 04 to 06. It might be 04 to 06. Um, I did two years there and then, um, you know, kind of decided, okay, I think I can, I can, I think I would be a quality head coach. And so then I left there and went to Huntington Beach High School. And I was there for, oh, I finished the year out, but I kind of knew I was getting the job at Whittier, um, let's say like the end of CIF swim season. So I coached everything at Huntington Beach with, with another, um, another coach there, uh, men's and women's or boys and girls, water polo, and then boys and girls. I was also the swim coach as well. So, uh, and then started at Whittier in 07. Yeah, that's a, and that's a, I mean, yeah, yeah. Was that a big step from the high school coaching ranks to the college coaching ranks? No, I mean, uh, the, the really unique thing about my time at Occidental was the, the coach that was there, the head coach um, had a ton of respect for me and, and kind of what I viewed in the game and how I trained the kids. So I, I felt like I got to do a lot, which was really cool. And I know that there's some uh, assistants that don't have as much uh, involvement in, in the programs at times. So I kind of took that and always wanted to make sure I incorporated it um, so that I was, I was always doing a good job for my assistants once I became a head coach. Um, but uh, no, it wasn't. I, I was, uh, of course, definitely, you know, as when I started coaching, the pinnacle, I guess, in the United States is being able to coach at the collegiate level. You know, that's sure. kind of like our ceiling other than the national team or, and stuff like that. So There's very few spots there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's very few spots in the, um, at the collegiate coaching rank. So, um, you know, to, I got that job when I was 26. And so I think I was the youngest coach in the NCAA history for a while um there might be be some now but um yeah i always tell my boss i i said was i was i your fourth choice or was i the only person who took it for the money <laughs> yeah like because <laughs> whittier was not uh, it had had some success before i got there in like oh four on the men's side but it wasn't a powerhouse and it was a really really small school um but i didn't really kind of understood i was like how I ended up with that gig. So maybe it's true to form. You got to be a little lucky sometimes. Right and place, right time. Whatever you want to say. Uh, yeah, like, and exactly. And I think Whittier was lucky to have you. For those that don't know, uh, uh, Justin made Whittier into a powerhouse. And he was probably one of the best recruiters that I've ever seen. Kind of, yeah, and just kind of tell us a, a little bit about those years, about kind of how you built the program and kind of sustained the success. Uh, well, it was, 
it was unique. I think it took me a year to kind of figure out. Um, for those who who don't know, like the most candid thing I can say about collegiate water polo and being a coach is recruiting is ninety percent of it. Um, it's just I agree. It, it's very encompassing. Um, you can be the best coach in the world, but if you don't have kids that can do what you need them to do, it's going to be extremely hard. Um, you know, so it, it was definitely, it took me about a year to kind of navigate things and kind of figure out what the niche was for Whittier and what kind of kids I could get or um, were recruitable um, and stuff like that. You know, it, 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 it took a little time to kind of build the savviness of, of that. But by – it was my third year on the men's side was our first national championship. So um, we actually lost in the semifinals the Sky Conference, but went on to beat Air Force in the first round of WWPA. So it was, I think it was one of the highest finish for a Sky team in the WWPA um, in history, I, I'm pretty sure, at least modern-day history. Um, and then uh, it took me a little while to kind of get the girls program running uh, just kind of where I wanted it to. Um, but after a while, uh, the good thing about collegiate sports is, and especially if you're a recruitable athlete is being able to um, talk to the current athletes that are there. And, and after you've been there for a while, I think a lot of athletes want to know that you're credible. So if I told a senior, uh, like, the, hey, this is where I think you would help us out in our program, and, and this is what I, I can – I think I, I'm going to be able to offer you here, whether it's competing for a championship or playing time and stuff like that. Um, you want your current athletes to be able to hold true to that and be like, yeah, coach is, is telling the truth. You know, like everything he's telling you is going to be exactly correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which – you know, in, in, in the collegiate coaching um, athletics, it's sometimes it's not always honest, um, you know, and, and people will say some things to kind of get a kid there or whatever they need to do. And, and, and I think that kind of comes back and, and kind of will bite you reputation wise. And that stuff doesn't play out very long. So I can, I completely agree with you. And as far as the coaching, you know, um, as you know, I, I coach in college kind of a little bit, and I was always like, I'm just going to be completely and utterly honest. This yeah. is the way it is. This is the way I am. And I do believe that, uh, that, uh, that, you know, you have to be like kind of honest kind of with the athletes and you have to, or they have to know that you care. And because, yeah, yeah because they're going to ask why. And, if you and kind of and if you answer the question, if they know that you care, they're going to believe you. So yeah, yeah, and and I just uh, I was like, well, I'm not gonna, you know, I was I was kind of like not scared, but uh, you know, I was an extremely disciplined uh, coach, and I made my teams work extremely hard, extremely hard. Uh, you know, I always told people I, I want to, this might be division three water polo, but I'm going to give you all of the division one I got, like any, anything I can do to make us better. We are going to do it. We will train harder than any team I 
in our conference. We will put in more hours. I will put in more research. I will scout more. I will do whatever I have to do. So, um, you know, my first couple of years, I don't think I really would tell a recruit that. And then I just said, oh, you know, whatever. I'm just going to tell them exactly what they're going to get. Because if they came there, then they were, they're like, oh, no, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be like this. Exactly. And, you know, you would have an unhappy athlete or an unhappy coach. And so it just didn't work out. So I, I feel like once we uh, – once by my third year at Whittier, we kind of had some success. Um, we tailed off a little bit. I mean, a little bit was like for me after a while not being in the championship game. Um, and that was just due to our facility being built. So, like, after 2009, I went through two years with no pool. Uh, I, we were – Traveling, oh, we never fun. <laughs> yeah, traveling nomads. Um, but then by the first year, uh, we got our pool at Whittier, I want to say uh, 2012 for the men. I think it was. I think it was 2012. By the next year, we were in the championship game, and so were the women. Um, and so I think my whole – from there, 2012 to 2018, I think I was in every Sky championship game. I'm sure you've listened to kind of the, like the Mac uh, kind of podcast that we've had the last couple of weeks, right? Yeah. So you play for Mac, any thoughts on, on like kind of what Mac was saying and stuff or the history of water polo in Texas, like kind of some of the best teams, boys, girls, except. Yeah, I, I, I do. And he shouldn't have been so bashful, but that his, um, I guess it was 2001. I, I have two boys boys teams that I think had the most talent and I think you know they won their years the the 01 um, Sterling group with uh, Dusty Dustin Fleming Dusty Gaudet Trace Ruddick my brother Andrew Pudwell um, Jay Ray was on that squad Uh, Stevie Ray Stevie Ray and Zane they were all freshmen so they were they were all really young or eighth graders. And so I was there coaching during that time. That was an exceptionally good team. Uh, Very strong. They only lost one game. And um, I think they beat Clear Creek in the final, like 12 to four. Like it was stomping. Um, Just domination. Yeah, yeah. And then um, the the Zane, Stevie, Matt Chapa, that group when whenever they were seniors was really good and and I only base that on this looking at it as a college coach like that group I tried to recruit Matt Zane Stevie um, I think those were the three and, and we had some ties to it of course and then looking back on it um, on my brother's that that 01 team there were three or four kids that could play at a, at a high level in college um, they wouldn't have been you know superstars or anything but they would make a, a dramatic impact on, on a program I think so um, that's kind of how I, I look at it um, the women's team I do remember that St. Agnes team that he was talking about because I think I played that year I, I was a senior and I think they were really strong and they were all really good up the middle like they had a really good goalie I can't remember who was what, but that girl, uh, a really good center and a really good center defender. Oh, Jenny Edwards. Uh, yes, yes. And I think she went to Hartwick. I can't remember exactly where they went. But uh, I always kind of look at, like, success sometimes is, is uh, 
making sure that that sport gets you to college. And, and if you're having a, a place where um, you have value and you have a really good career, you know, if you get like four or five of those on one high school team, they're, they're going to be pretty good. Yeah. I, but I just, yeah. Like people used to ask me, so Joe, what team's going to win here? And then it, and, yeah, and they go, yeah, just give me a sec. And I go one, two, three, four, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, uh, they are. I go, and he goes, so what'd you count up? I go, Oh, the amount of kids that did uh, club water polo. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, and, and then a lot of the coaches for the club teams kind of back then. And now I, I think they do a good job of kind of creating some strong foundation for success. It's, and it's not just water polo skills, it's the life skills. And those are the type of things that the college coaches are looking for. Yeah, no. And that I would say in Texas directly, probably has direct correlation on your success like how much club water polo do you play and how early do you start exactly um, exactly you know and and putting in you know time and effort so um but yeah i mean i i, I missed a good portion of it but i did recruit a lot of kids out of texas at at times um you know so you know and, and usually you have some you have some kind of tie to that kid, whether it's like, Oh, that coach used to be my, you know, we're really good friends or, um, you know, you get a recommendation here or there. Or I coached that kid when they were eight and now they're 18, uh, you or know, 30 which, or whatever. It could yeah. Be, which is true to, <laughs> true to form. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't remember, you know, too many, I would guess like team wise. Cause once I got into college coaching, I was, I was definitely more just interested in the the athlete, right? Like I could care less who wins, right? You yeah. know, so it was like I'm watching that athlete over there because I think they can help me win uh, at my level. So, well, Justin, thank you so much for joining us on the TX Water Polo Podcast. I do appreciate it. Um, just kind of take care and be safe and stay healthy. You too, Joe. Take care. All right, thanks. Thank you, Joe. I think we're done, except maybe to remind everybody about a few things that are coming up, right? Yeah, we got the we have the coach to coach this upcoming Thursday at twelve thirty uh, with Brandon Dillon, and next week with um, Coach Mark Lawrence. Um, and then there's other stuff coming up with it. With uh, obviously, don't forget to vote for the uh, best of Texas. And Darn right. There's other stuff that you're going to keep posting on the Total Water Pole site, right? Darn right, and then the uh, what we you're you heard excerpts with uh, Justin Pudwell today, and we'll do like we did last week with Mihai, uh, and we'll put out the uh, entire interview on by Thursday. Could even be uh, earlier than that, but you get to hear the whole thing. So that's coming up to, as well. Although we don't have a whole lot of water pool going on, I think there's a whole lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, and it's going to gear us up for an exciting summer or fall of of, of water pool to be. Fighting. I hope so. And everybody's going to be excited to be back in the pool. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, they're going to get tired of voting for all this stuff. It's all hypothetical. But yeah, it'd be great to get back in the pool. Um, Until then, thanks to Justin Pudwell for taking the time to talk with us. And thank you for listening and telling a friend about the TX Water Polo podcast. You can find us at TXWaterPolo.com to listen to the podcast, to find us on social media, leave comments as we got last week, a lot of good ones. Uh, give to the cause, and you can also just generally find, figure out what's going on with the game, both at uh, TXWaterPolo.com and Total Water Polo. So until next week, so long from Austin. All right, take care, Jim. Loaded up inside an open eye, believe in the horizon of a better place.
has been a production of TWP Sports, LLC. My dog is scratching at the door. Uh, I can hear him.